My name is Stephen Massey. I go to Ozark Christian College. I was formerly a member here at Griffith, uh, where I was a youth sponsor and did kind of a lot of things. Uh, Amanda and Melissa can attest to some of those things and just some of the other stuff you can just ignore. So, but uh, I was uh, I was asked to give the message today, and I thought, fantastic. I haven't been here in three years, and so uh, I just thought it would be cool to come give the message. So, uh, I don't think I have anything else to say unless you have any questions for me which I don't think Sean ever does, which is kind of cool. Everyone's like, yeah, okay, just preach. All right, we'll go. Let me pray. Father God, we thank you for giving us the opportunity to be here today. Uh, Lord, thank you for um, the call of the disciples, and thank you, Lord, for the things that you've challenged them with. Lord, I pray that you would help us to examine these, these three things that Jesus challenged the, the disciples with, and I pray, Lord, that we would be able to find ourselves in the midst of those challenges and be able to, to take up that call in our lives. God, please be with me. Anoint me as your mouthpiece today. I pray, Lord, that um, it would not be my words, but your words that are spoken. And I ask, Lord, that um, you'd begin to open the hearts and minds of the people here today. Thank you, God. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Picture yourself in Bible times. The year is around 30 AD. And you've been following this man called Jesus for some time now. And you have seen him do many amazing things. He teaches with authority he drives out evil spirits, and he heals the sick and the lame. He's almost too good to be true, but you can't stay away from him. And so one day, you and a large crowd follow Jesus out to a hillside. And as you're walking, you, you take a deep breath, and the air is crisp, the grass is lush and green, the sun is shining down on your face and the wind is at your back. It's a beautiful day to be alive. And you follow this crowd to Jesus and you can kind of see him off in the distance and he is talking, but you, you can't really hear what he's saying. But you're watching and listening as, as intently as you can. And in the middle of Jesus talking, he, he begins to point in the crowd like this and motions for people to come up and, and you see people stand up and, and begin to go towards Jesus. And you look really close and you see some fishermen walking toward Jesus. You, you look and you see just some other people. You, you've never seen them before, but just another group of people is getting up. You see a tax collector of all people going to Jesus. And then Jesus stops and looks in your general direction and goes and points and says something that you can't hear, but it sounds like your name. And at once, everyone in the crowd looks back to you. And as you walk forward, they begin to part, whispering and questioning what's going on as you walk forward. And you walk up to this group of 11 men, and Jesus motions for you to sit down. And he tells you that you are called to be his apostles. You are called to witness great things. You are called to be world changers. I want to read from Mark chapter 3, verses 13 through 19. Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed twelve, designating them apostles, that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have the authority to drive out demons. These are the twelve he appointed, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, 
James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, to him he gave the name Boanerges, which means sons of thunder. Andrew and Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. <laughs> wow. What, can you, I can't even wrap my mind about what it was like to sit in that circle of men who have been called specifically by Jesus to do his work and to minister to people. And while we might not see Jesus face to face for a while, he has called us to do his work. He has called us to be witnesses of his work here on earth. So today we're going to look at the three things that Jesus challenged his disciples with and kind of look and see where we stack up against those. The first thing, well, actually, if you're reading along with your Bibles, we're actually going to go backwards. We're actually going to go 3, 2, 1, not 1, 2, 3, but I go to Ozark Christian College, and we don't do math, so I'm sorry. So the first thing, which is actually the third thing, that Jesus called them to do was to cast out demons. Because we belong to Christ, we too have the authority over evil spirits. Now, that's not because we're amazing Christians and we tithe 15% and we volunteer at the old people's home and we, you know, help every person change the tires, you know, on the cars and things like that. It's not that. It's not how awesome we are. But it's because the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit lives in our lives. The Greek word exousia translates the right to control or govern. It's where we get our term exorcist or exorcism. We have authority over demons. This is the same use of the word authority when Jesus says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. The same authority, the same capital A, person, authority that is over everything is on your side. And you have got to realize that we are in a spiritual battle. Some people don't like to talk about demons. Some people don't like to talk about Satan. If we don't, just because we don't talk about it, doesn't mean the problem goes away. We are in a spiritual battle. The term, uh, the Greek word for cast out is ekbalo, meaning to drive out or to expel. It's used in a very harsh, intense term. As I said, we're in a spiritual battle. Ephesians 6, 11 and 12 says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Why would we put armor on when we're not in battle? I certainly don't dress up like this when I'm just lounging around the house watching Discovery Channel. That was funny, I just thought of that. <laughs> Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil and the heavenly realms. When temptation sticks its ugly face in our lives, we have the authority in Christ's name to tell it to go away. Or we can just choose to let it into our lives. But we desire to be Christ-like, do we not? I say that we have absolutely nothing to fear from Satan or anything he throws at us. A modernistic preacher announced in defending his theological position, I am not afraid of the devil. That is not what matters so much, one of his acquaintances replied. Let me ask you a more important question. Is the devil afraid of you? 
So let me ask you that. Is the devil afraid of you? When you get up in the morning, does he go, oh no, this guy's awake. Oh man, she's up in Adam. This is going to be one rough day. Next, the disciples were called to preach. Now, someone once told me, I don't think I could ever be a preacher. And I said, well, too bad for you. Everybody's called to be a preacher. Ha ha. And so he said, yeah, but I, I really don't think I could preach from the pulpit. And I said, well, that's okay, man. Because even though everybody's called to be a preacher, there are only two kinds of preachers in this world. Vocational ministers that preach from the pulpit and everybody else. That's it. And so, for those of you in vocational ministry, or if you're thinking about it, which you should, we need to heed the last words of Paul to his friend Timothy, because just before he died, he wrote him a letter with the following instructions. First Timothy, or 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 5. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. This is the important part. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Sound familiar? Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. Preaching from the pulpit is not something you just wake up and decide, hey, I'm going to do this. It's a calling from God. A man named H.H. H. Hobbes, it's an awesome name, once wrote, no person should choose the ministry as a profession. Rather, the person is to be chosen of God to serve in the calling. Since the person has been chosen by God and not another person, that person who has been called, is responsible to God alone. The message is to be God's message to humankind. And having declared it, the results are to be left to God. So no, yeah, I mean, I do agree that not everyone should be a vocational minister. But for everybody else, which is all of you, preach the word at all times, but use words when it's necessary. What? Okay, well, here's what I mean. What I mean is live your life in a Christ-like manner. Live your life as a positive representation of Jesus. I'm not asking you to go out on the street and start screaming, you know, Jesus saves. I'm not asking you to stand up in your lunchroom and do a ditty to get everybody's attention and then, you know, tell everyone they need to repent. But we do need to radically proclaim the name of Christ by the way we live. The story goes that one day, St. Francis of Assisi laid his hand on the shoulder of a young monk and said, Brother, let us go into the town and preach. They went and walked several streets and alleys before turning back to the monastery. Finally, his companion asked, 
when shall we preach? St. Francis replied, my son, we have been preaching. We were preaching while we were walking. It is no use to walk anywhere to preach unless we preach as we walk. We need to have the attitude of my mentor at Ozark Christian College. Every time we pray together, in fact, every time I've ever heard him pray out loud, he always ends his prayer with this request of God. He says, Lord, we love you, but don't just take our word for it. See it in our actions. Does God know that you love him by your actions? Do people know that you are a Christ follower by the way you preach your life? Whether you're called to preach from the pulpit, become a missionary, work with the poor, work in a cubicle, or stay at home and be a parent, we need to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. As the great evangelist Billy Sunday once said, live so that when the final summons comes, you will leave something more behind you than an epitaph on a tombstone or an obituary in a newspaper. Preach while you walk walk what you preach. Finally, the disciples were called to, this is intense, be with Jesus. Be with Jesus. Now, I, I can't tell a lie. I had a completely different sermon written before today, before Thursday even. I read the text, and I had my own thing ready, and I wanted to go a whole different route, and I totally missed this. I totally missed that Jesus called disciples to just be with him. But when I finally caught it, I began, well, first I repented because of my stupidity for not reading the word through the eyes of the Spirit. Anyways, but when I finally caught it, I began to think and ask, why would Jesus call these men to him? I mean, he had hundreds of followers. He had crowds of people that would follow him everywhere. And why does he need help from us? Because he's, wait for it, God. Why does he need help? Why does he want people to follow him? Well, first I think Jesus wanted companionship during his ministry. Remember, he is God in human flesh, purposefully limiting himself to a human body. But he is at the same time one-third of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the first community. Jesus wanted a physical human companionship he wanted a relationship with people, with, the, with his creations. And so he spent three years with his disciples. He poured himself into them. He was with them in good times and bad times. And he watched them just fail miserably. And he watched them succeed. And he watched them grow. And so when it came time to give up his life, we read his words in John chapter 17, as he prays and he cries out for his disciples. He says, I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. Which, can I just ask, does glory come to God through you? Think about that. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, 
protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they might be one as we are one. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may truly be sanctified. Jesus knew that his time of companionship was ending with his disciples. He must have felt like a father who was so used to having his son or daughter just reaching out and taking their hand as they crossed the street and each year knowing that they're a year older and one year closer to not needing to hold his hand across the street. Last, I think Jesus wanted reproduction in his ministry because he spent three years investing in them and pouring himself into them and teaching them and he expected results. He, he expected them to go out and make their own disciples, to spread the name of God. Now, Bible college is not exactly easy, okay? I'm a full-time student. I'm, I love that stress reduction kit, bang head here. I might have done that. I can't say on that. I'm a full-time student at Ozark. I'm the senior high youth minister at New Creation Church. I'm responsible for a bunch of high school students for meeting their needs. I'm also responsible for meeting the needs of the interns that work with me. I just picked up a job working part-time on a farm. And I have to maintain some kind of social life. And for an introvert, that's very hard. I don't, I don't like being around people all the time. I'm a busy person, but when I don't spend time with God, when I forget that I was made for companionship and reproduction, then all of these other areas suffer. I want to share with you this passage of scripture that I read to my interns not too long ago to try to encourage them. Um, Ozark Christian College has been through a lot this month. Satan is working very hard to destroy my friends and my brothers and sisters in Christ at Ozark. Please, please, please pray for Ozark. We are going through a very hard time. We have been at school for a month, and it already feels like we've been there an entire semester. And I can already tell that people's spiritual lives are starting to fail, that they're just starting to quit. And so I read this to them, and I pray that it, means, I pray that it, it takes hold of you too. John 15, 4 through 5, says, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. If a man remains in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from God, we can do nothing. Companionship and reproduction. To go out and to spend time with people and to invest in people is what Christ is trying to teach the disciples, and that is what we are trying to copy, that is what we want to be. So as we begin to close, we need to examine ourselves. We've seen that Jesus has called his disciples to be with him, to go preach, and to have authority over demons. That's pretty intense. 
That's very intense. I have seen more spiritual warfare in my three years at Ozark than my 25 years of life. It is intense. So are you ready to put on your spiritual armor, preach through your life to reproduce and to have companionship? I want to remind you why we do these things. I want to remind you of the reason why we're even sitting in these pews today. Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, came to earth. He led a perfect life. He invested in a few good men. He died on a cross, was raised to life, and called a few good men to be world changers. So are you ready to be a world changer? I want to point out one more thing. In verse 13 of Mark, it says, Jesus, uh, yep, that's where I went. Jesus went up on a mountainside and he called to him those he wanted and they came to him. He called to those he wanted and they came to him. So before I step off the stage, I, I need to ask you, do you hear Christ calling in your life? Do you hear Christ calling you to step out of your comfort zone, to lead a life that preaches his name? Is he calling you out of your comfort zone to go to Bible college? Is he calling you to step up in your faith? Do you hear Christ calling you back to him? Have you spent so much time out of his will and out of his presence that the little voice inside of your head is screaming, come back to me. And we know it's Christ because the sheep know his shepherd's voice. Is he calling you back to him? Is Christ calling you to accept him? Is he calling you to repentance? Do you hear him saying, I love you, I died for you. I want companionship with you. Do you hear Christ calling in your life? Are you ready to be world changers? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to come here today. We thank you for the examples of the disciples. Lord, thank you for choosing to limit yourself to working with us and through us. Lord, we are not perfect, and we mess up all the time. But Lord, we thank you for giving us opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to spread the name of Christ. Thank you for giving us authority, for giving us the ability to preach and thank you for simply just calling us to be with you. Help us to go from this place, knowing what the disciples were called to do, and help us to be world changers. Show us what it's like to make kingdom decisions and to live kingdom lives. Lord, we love you, but don't just take our word for it. See it in our actions. Amen.